Well, listen, let, let's go ahead and jump into the message um, for today. Let's jump into it today. Let me, let me, let me say it like this. Um, whoever came up with the idea of lost and found, God bless them. God bless them. God bless them. Especially if you've ever been in a place, y'all can take your show, show of hands. If you ever lost something that was real important in somebody, by the grace of the Lord, return it to you. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. You know that was like how you felt in that moment. That was amazing. Uh, and then uh, in some places, especially if you lost something in a place or a building or somewhere, and then they had a lost and found area, and many of y'all have come here at this church and then lost some stuff. Coffee mugs seem to be the most important thing to get lost <laughs> at the British church. But whatever you lost, you know, Bibles, whatever, you know, you, you go like, did y'all find it? You know, we almost expect that now, right? That y'all don't have no lost and found. We get mad if people don't have a lost and found now. And I, and I actually looked up to say, like, who came up with this idea? Actually, did you know that French political and military leader back in the 1800s, Napoleon Bonaparte is the person that came up with lost and found. I know that's crazy, right? And he did it because he was trying to clean up the streets. In France, he was trying to clean the streets up, so he would get all this stuff off the streets and put it in a building, put it in a place, and then people would kind of go and be able to get anything that was lost that was out there. So, you know, one thing about Napoleon Bonaparte is that he was loved by some, he was hated by others um, as a military leader. But one of the most notable characteristics of Napoleon Bonaparte is that he was five foot two. He was a short brother. All right, so he was kind of Danny DeVito-ish. For some of y'all, yep, some of y'all laugh because y'all know about Danny DeVito. Other y'all like, who is Danny DeVito? All right, let me make it more modern. He's kind of Kevin Hart-ish, okay? All right, for y'all that know Kevin, y'all, you know Kevin Hart. Five foot two, short brother, all right? Well, today, interestingly enough, we'll be talking about another man in the Scripture who was hated by a whole lot of people, might have been loved by maybe a few people, and this brother also fell short, naturally and spiritually. And we're going to have a front row seat today to encounter this brother's experience with Jesus. And here's the thing. That's what I want to see happen today even for you. I want to see what happens when people that fall short, when people that are spiritually short have an encounter with Jesus. So if you've been feeling like you've been falling short spiritually lately, or if you're here today and you're like, you know, this might be your first time in a church, I don't know. If you're searching for Jesus today, you're in the right place. God has a word for you today. Amen? All right, we're going to read this passage first. It's only 10 verses. It's very short, very short story. Luke 19 is where we're going to be. Luke 19, we're going to read these, these 10 verses. Then we're going to jump back in them and just see what God is saying to us today. Verse 1, Luke 19, verse 1, it says, He entered Jericho, that's Jesus, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. 
So he hurried and came down and received them joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He is gone and to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. May that be a blessing to God's written word. I entitled today's message, Lost and Found. Lost and Found. All right, so this narrative begins with my guy, Zacchaeus. I like to call him Big Zach, the tax collector. Some of y'all might want to call him Easy Z. I don't know what you want to call him. You might, you might want to call him Zach. All right? Where I'm from, we come up with nicknames for everybody. All right? But here's what you need to know. He is a Jewish brother. He's Jewish, but he's despised by his own people because he's not just a tax collector. He's what? The chief tax collector. Now, you say, now, Pastor Chris, what's so bad about being a tax collector? Now, first, y'all need to stop playing. All right? Because when was the last time you started praising the Lord when you had to pay taxes? When you're like, Lord, let me just sing a song of hallelujah to you. Thank you for all these taxes I'm paying right now in the name. You, you ain't praising the Lord when taxes come. All right? Whether you're paying taxes on food or a home or a car or whatever. And when was the last time you wrote to the IRS, IRS a Christmas card? Hey, Internal Revenue Service, let me just give you this Chick-fil-A gift card. Y'all are so wonderful. We're so glad that you do everything that you do for us. Yeah, right. Just stop. That ain't happening. Y'all need to pray for the IRS. They people too, all right? They people too. They people too. Here's what you need to understand. Back then, the chief tax collectors at this time, they were despised by most people because they were always skimming a little bit of money off the top for themselves. They were notorious for their greed. This is who they were. By the Jews, they're counted as scum of the earth. They're, they're, they're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to sinners, okay? And, you know, and, and not rightfully so, but you understand because of this grave injustice, this grave injustice. You know that if someone was actually taking from you and you're working hard and you're doing everything you can do and they're taking something from you and your family, it's going to be very difficult to love those kind of people. Am I right? So this is what's happened. I need you to, to know and understand this brother right here for a minute. And notice that the text highlights how small he is. Like, why did they even bring that up? Why did they talk about him having such a small stature? You see that in verse 3. Look at verse 3 again. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he can't see over most of the folk, all right? Because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and he got up in the tree. I'm going to get up there where I can see where I can see him, because he was about to pass that way. So when you think about Zach, you need to think about short and evil, all right? Short and evil, short and despised. When I think about short and evil, I think about Chucky. I think about Middle Eastern Chucky, all right? All right? Now, some of y'all, here we go again. They're like, Pastor Chris, that's 80s, 90s. I don't know who Chucky is. He's a little evil, short doll thing, all right? Let me, let me bring it up. You see, anybody seen Lord of the Rings? Anybody in here seen Lord of the Rings? That's a little bit more recent. There was a dude on there named Smeagol. Y'all remember him? He was a hobbit. He was short. He was evil. All right? My precious. Y'all remember him? My precious. 
my precious taxes. This is, that's Zach, all right? That's him. Now, I need y'all to imagine Chucky. I need you to imagine Smeagol running, with a, you know, jumping up in a tree to see Jesus, all right? I need, I need y'all to get that in your mind right now, all right? Now, I want you to get that in mind because I need, I, I need to say this. I need to be real clear. I don't care how far gone you think you are. And Chucky is way down on the spectrum, all right? <laughs> Smeagol was, this brother was transformed by how long he was with that ring, all right? He, his voice changed. His, he lost all his hair. He, he was, I don't care how far gone you think you are spiritually, let me tell you right now, it's never too late to seek Jesus. I don't, I don't know where you are when you came in here today. I don't know what kind of baggage you got. I don't know where you are, but I need you to know that this dude that's despised and knows it, this guy that thinks he's far away and knows it, even his physical attributes are even trying to keep him from being able to see Jesus. But let me let you know, you're not too far gone. You can still seek him. This is what he's doing. He's seeking him. And if you're here and you're on the sound of my voice, you're in the right place. You're seeking him. See, it's easy to laugh at Zacchaeus because of his height and the sin. But a lot of times we think a little too highly of ourselves, don't we? Here's something you need to know. We are all Zacchaeus. Oh, no, I'm not. Yes, yes we are. We are all Zacchaeus. Because you know what it says in Romans 3.23? You know what it says? Oh, y'all know y'all Bible. For all. Somebody say all. all. You look at your neighbor and say, every last one of y'all. <laughs> In the country, is every last one of y'all. All. Not just a little. All have sinned. Listen to these words. And fall short. And fall short of the glory of God. In God's eyes, we are all short. In God's eyes, we all don't meet the standard. In God's eyes, it don't matter if you 6'4 or you 4'6, okay? We all fall short. In other words, this is where we have to get to. First point I want you to get. Everyone must admit that they are or they were lost. This is where it all starts. This is where it all starts. You can't skip this. I feel like there's people in churches that's been going to churches for years and they never had this conversation. They never had this conversation with God. They never had this conversation with their peers. They never had this conversation with their friends. They never talked about, I was lost. I was lost. Or I am lost. See, listen, sin has done a number on us human beings. Sin has done such a number on us that a lot of people are lost and they don't even know they're lost. They lost, they don't even know they're lost. I, I, the first time I got lost, first time I got lost, I was in Piggly Wiggly. Some of y'all are like, man, these references today. Well, so you got to be from the country to know what Piggly Wiggly is. Piggly, I think there's still one up towards Castle Hainway. I think it's, it's, Piggly. it's, one, in, it's one in Leland. There you go. It's one in Leland. Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, that, that, that's, some, that's some old country stuff right there. Love Piggly Wiggly. I was up in Piggly Wiggly having a good time. I'm like three or four years old. I'm in there with my mom. I'm dancing around like what kids do in Piggly Wiggly and everything. Amazed by the meat section in the back. Back then, you used to punch a button, and it would buzz. And, and the meat guy would come out. 
he used to hate when those kids be out there punching their butt. And, and, and I think that's what I was doing. My mom was shopping. I'm, and he coming out there looking at me. Start punching that button, little boy. What ends up happening, I look up. I look up. And I don't see my mama. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and at that age, that's the worst thing that could ever happen. Now, it ain't like Piggly Wiggly's Walmart. It ain't the biggest store in the world. All right? But I was lost. I didn't know what to do. You know, I, I was panicking. I started crying. You know, I, I remember, um, I, th- I think I went up to the front of the cash register, and they made the announcement, and then my mama came and got me. All right? I was lost. Some of y'all are those bad kids that got lost at the amusement park. You got lost in the mall. Some of that place. Some of y'all parents, if we're honest, we done lost our kids a couple times as well. Right? You know that, right? But a lot of times with kids, especially, they don't even, they don't even have enough sense to know that they're lost. And there's some people that, are, that recognize that, and there's some people in here today, you're just like that kid spiritually. You don't know how lost you are. You don't realize how far things have blinded you. You're so amused by what's going on in the world. You're so caught up in so much that you haven't really had that conversation and admitted that you were lost. Have you ever admitted? Have you ever confessed that? You ever confessed that to God? Have you ever confessed that to someone else? Because it takes humility. It takes an awakening. It takes coming to your senses. So, so why is Zach so interested? Why is he so interested in seeing Jesus? Because he had heard about him. Same reason why you're here today. I heard about him. I've seen his impact on other people in my lives. I, I, I've seen some stuff. And Zach knows. He knows there's a hole in his heart. And guess what he's been trying to fill this God-shaped hole in his heart with? Money. Wealth. And he has it. He ain't even trying no more. He's, he's already rich. His brother's already rich. See, he got tons of money, but he can't buy true friendship. I need that to preach to somebody today. He got tons of money, but he can't seem to buy true peace. He has tons of money, but it can't seem to buy true love. Can't seem to buy it at all. Is there a hole that you're trying to fill right now in your heart with everything except Jesus? Is there a God-shaped hole that's in your heart that God actually put there? that he placed in you as his image bearer, that you've been trying to fill with everything except Jesus. I want to tell you right now, stop believing all the lies. You can't fill it with anything. You can't fill it with money. You, you can't fill it with ambition. You can't fill it with sex. You, you can't fill it with drugs. You can't fill it with any of these things. And, and here's the thing. That's how sin works. Remember I said it done a number on humans? It promises a big return, and it still leaves you lost, falling short, wandering around, trying to figure out what's really going on. That's what sin does. In the words of Johnny Lee, 1980 country singer, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Amen, Johnny. (laughs) Now, look how Jesus responds to this lost sheep in verse 5. Could you give me that water right there? I can tell. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. I appreciate you. Verse 5, look at it. It says, and when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, 
Zacchaeus, uh uh-oh, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Now, wait, 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 wait. So you mean to tell me that Zacchaeus has finally gotten to a place where he's humbled himself. He knows that he got all this money and all this stuff, but how this rich, evil man somehow finds himself up in the tree and he looks for this Jesus that he's heard about, this Jesus that's pretty popular, this Jesus that, that is out there, and Jesus actually calls his name out. So you've been seeking Jesus, but it looks like that Jesus actually has been doing what? Seeking you. This is what Jesus does. He likes to show up and watch this and invite himself over. How's somebody going to invite themselves over to your house? That's the kind of boss Jesus is, right? This is what Jesus wants to do with us lost folk. He wants to invite himself in. Don't forget this. Jesus wants to stay inside your home. Notice stay. He don't want to just visit. He wants to stay. He don't want to just visit. See, sometimes, you know what? You go from Sunday to Sunday, Sunday to Sunday, year after year, because we just want Jesus to visit. I just, can I, I just need a visitation from Jesus. Can, I, can Jesus just come by and visit? Can, I, can, I just, can he come and visit on this Sunday? You know, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the week, but I just need a visitation. No, Jesus, don't, he ain't just coming. To, he want to come and stay. I don't want to just say hey to you up in, hey, Zach, up in the tree. I want to come to the crib. I want to come to the crib. And here's the thing. He knows your name. He already knows your address. He knows where he wants to talk with you. He wants to walk with you. He's not interested in the surface level fandom. He's not interested. Jesus wants to know you. Now, let, let, me, let me ask this. Have you let Jesus into your house? Will you give him access to your entire home? I'm talking about everywhere. What if Pastor Chris came over to your house today? Like, right after time is over, I, I want to, let me come over to the crib. The first thing to go through a lot of y'all mind is that, oh no, we, I got some stuff I need to clean up. I got some stuff, you, the house ain't where, it ain't in order, and I need the kids, or you start coming up with excuses and, and all those kind of things. What, what, if I, what if someone invited themselves into your house right then? See, here's the thing, Jesus knows that the home is where the heart is. Right? You don't have time to clean up. Jesus don't want you to just have to clean up right now. You know, when we had people come in out of space, you start shoving stuff in the closets, pushing stuff out of the bed. Kids, get your room. Make sure that bathroom clean. I'm not told y'all how nasty that bathroom is. We got guests coming over here. You know, that, that's what you're trying to do. Jesus doesn't need you to clean up first. Jesus does not need you to clean up your house first. He just wants to come in. He wants to be present. And he wants to hang out and be with you first. Then the cleanup can happen. Because sometimes your house is nasty. And you got to get that house cleaned up. I ain't trying to ignore the house. But I need you to understand that Jesus ain't concerned about that first. What he's concerned with first is coming to commune with you. And coming to be with you. And he don't care what it looks like in the garage. He don't care what it looks like in that other room. He doesn't care about the front porch. He don't care about any of those. He just wants to come and commune with you. See, Jesus knows that the dinner table at your house really is one of the most intimate places in your house or your living room, whatever. That room where you sit down and you commune or you will welcome somebody in. Once somebody comes to your house, that's a big deal, right? 
If you tell somebody they can come over to your house, that's a huge deal. It was a huge deal in that culture, and to be honest, it's still huge, huge in this culture now. Even as a, we're trying to be a multi-ethnic church, we always say before you can become multi-ethnic in the church, we really got to be multi-ethnic in our homes. That's what makes it real. Like when we in each other's house and we hanging out and we like that, that makes what happens here even more real. Because this is just be surface level visitation right here in, in this building when it's like that. But when we're in each other's homes, it's a totally different story, right? I've been to your house. I've been to your home. That's what Jesus wants to do first. He wants to look at all those things. And listen, Revelation 3. Listen to, listen to what he says to the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3, verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove, reprove, uh, reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Verse 20, look at this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come, to, come in to him and eat with him and he with me. This is always what Jesus has been trying to do. He's been standing at the door of your heart and he's been knocking and saying, let me come in. Let me in. I'm inviting myself into your home. Let me come in there and let me see what kind of fruit there's going to be. So look at verse 6. Look at verse 6 right here. Let's go back to verse 6. Look at what, what, what Zach does. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, let's keep it real one second. If Jesus need to go into anybody's house, don't you think it needs to be the house of a sinner? <laughs> I want you to think about the person that gets on your nerve the most right now at your job, okay? Think about that person. Do y'all want Jesus to go into that house? <laughs> I want you to think about the last person that, that you got real upset with that was driving real crazy on the road and, and you had a little bit of road rage and you said some French that won't French to them. I said, I'm trying to keep it real with y'all. Y'all want to keep it real. You're supposed to be saved and holy and you start using that other language. You start speaking in some tongues that you know you weren't supposed to be speaking in. <laughs> Do you need Jesus to come to that house? I need you to think about that person that is always drunk. That person is always high. The, the people that, that are the furthest away, quote unquote, furthest away, guess whose house they need to go? Jesus needs to go. He needs to go into their house. That's exactly where he needs to be. See, the problem with this grumbling crowd, and that's the background noise in your life, is that they never see themselves as sinners first. Don't you ever forget that we're first sinners, then sinned against. If you're always talking about people from the vantage point of how they sinned against you and you never confess and can ever talk about how you sinned against somebody else, you're going to be in this crowd. And guess what happens to that crowd? They get ignored. Jesus and Zacchaeus both ignore everything that this crowd is saying. That's why in verse 8, look at verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And, I've and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore, restore. Everybody say restore. restore. He restored fourfold. Fourfold. 
what in the world happened at dinner? We, we, don't, we don't even really see the conversation at all. But what has happened is that Zacchaeus' view of people has now changed. He now sees the people that he's been defrauding, not just as uh, people to be taxed, but actually it's his siblings and his brothers now. He even uses the word the poor in here as he describes them. He, he sees them now as image bearers too of Christ. So I, I held him in low regard. I held him in such low regard that I would do anything to them. I, I talk to them any kind of way. I take money from them and their families in any kind of way. I'm sitting over here rich. But for some reason, now that he's had an encounter with Jesus, now that he's experienced grace with Jesus, now his whole image, his whole, his whole mindset, his whole view of God's people has now changed. He repents not only with words, but he repents with what? He repents with restoration. He repents with restoration. You ever seen a home that's been restored before? It ain't cheap to restore a home, is it? If that home has been messed up, it's been broken up, and we know that a lot here being in a place that sometimes gets hit by hurricanes, it takes a lot to restore a home. But when you see a home get restored, it's often better than the way it looked from before, fourfold, Right? We got to get this up to par. I love the, those homes, you know, the shows, you know, you can't wait for the reveal, right? When they show you a house, they restore it, and then they get, you just can't wait. I love, show me the before and the after pictures. I like, you know, all the drama that goes on in between it. That's all good. That's for the ratings and all. But I, show me what it, show me the restoration. Show me, everybody likes to see the restoration. Everybody likes to see what happens when there is restoration. It's a beautiful picture of repentance right here. And I want you to write this down. Repentance always bears fruit. Repentance always bears fruit. I don't know where we, how you get to a place where we talk about repentance and don't talk about fruit. They go together. They always have gone together. The Bible has always spoken of it that way. John the Baptist talks about that earlier when he was talking to the Pharisees when they were rolling up. He said, your repentance needs, it needs to bear fruit. It needs to be fruit with repentance. Repentance means to turn around. But there's something else that has to happen. So notice that he didn't just confess his sins to Jesus. He attempts to repair what has been broken. See, this is how justice works. The reason why the Jews are so upset with Zacchaeus is because he's been constantly doing injustice on them. But this is how justice works. It works right alongside with righteousness. Righteousness means to make things that were wrong right, to put things into right place. All right? That's what justice is. It's put, making things right that were wrong things that were fixed, that got broken. I'm trying to get that together. That, that's what you see happening right here. And see, Zacchaeus pretty much planning on giving these people reparations. That, that, what's the heartbeat behind the word reparations? The word that you hear in there is repair. That's another word for restore. The goal is to fix what's been broken. So you can argue that true repentance is actually true repentance. If we did an equation, Real repentance is confession plus repair. Like you can't get to repentance unless there's some confession and there's repair that is taking place. So let me just ask you a personal question right now. What has been the fruit of repentance in your life? What have you confessed to Jesus and to others? What in your life has been repaired as a result? of that repentance.
I remember even for me early on, one of the areas that I saw repair in my life was, you know, starting off, um, I, I just didn't, I did not have a great relationship growing up with my dad early on. Um, he can tell, he, and he can, he can preach on this now. My dad's a believer, loves the Lord, goes hard in the paint for Jesus now. But during the early part of my life, um, my dad was an alcoholic. And I, I just, I had a lot of, a lot, a lot of hurt, I had a lot of pain, I had a whole lot in my heart. And I remember when I got saved, I remember when I got saved at 18, I just remember um, seeking the Lord. And again, when you, when, when, you, when you have an encounter with Jesus, you start to see people different. See, instead of looking at my dad as a sinner first and everything that my dad had done to me, I saw myself as a sinner first. And I started to see my dad and I started to desire to want to see my dad saved. I remember my, my freshman year in college, I, I wrote my dad a letter, and it was just a simple letter just, just telling him how much I loved him and how much I desired to see him free from alcoholism and serving the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Here's what's crazy. It, it took about 10 years, but my dad, I didn't know he kept that, he kept that letter. He kept that letter, um, and my dad ended up coming to faith in Jesus. Some, a relationship that was broken ended up being repaired. And now I got a man in my life that does not have, not one day goes by that every person in my family is covered. And I know for a lot of men, you don't have, a, you got another man in your life that covers you and your whole family every day. That came from repentance. That came from repair. God wants to do some repair. And you see that happening right here in this chapter, what has been repaired? What, what wrong worldview have you had about people that has changed? Are people closer to Jesus because he invited himself in and this has happened because you've humbled yourself? See, th this is the fruit of spending time with Jesus. It is virtually impossible to stay the same after you met Jesus. Yes. It's just so hard. Yes. Like, how can you? It's so hard to stay the same. Once you have an encounter with Jesus, look at verse 9. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. See, Jesus acknowledges that Zacchaeus' faith, it now mirrors Abraham's faith. Who is Abraham? Abraham was a pagan man worshiping false gods. He's the father of the Jews, but he was way off. He didn't have his stuff together at all. And God spoke to him, and he trusted God, and he believed God. And God, not because Abraham had it all together, not because Abraham was this righteous dude, not because of Abraham's heritage, not because of anything about Abraham, but because Abraham trusted God when God said, I need you to leave you, your, these people, and I, I need you to go where I'm telling you to go, even though you don't know where that is. I need you to just listen to me. God accredited to him righteousness. God gave him some credit that he didn't deserve. That's what he's done for all of us, by the way, that believe him. He's given us credit. He's made us his righteousness. We're Christ's righteousness now. We've been made right in the sight of God. That's what he did for Abraham. So anybody that believes can be a son of Abraham. In other words, you're, you're a son of now of faith. You're believing God and trusting God despite of. And this is what Jesus is getting at here. And it wasn't because of anything that he did. It was because of what God did. 
It wasn't because of anything that Zacchaeus did. It's because of what Jesus did, okay? See, Zach was taxing people, but for the first time, he realized that he was the one that was in the greatest debt. He's the one that needed salvation. And he came knocking at his door. This is what transformed him. He went from greedy to generous. He went from being ungrateful to being gracious. He went from being lost to now being found. And here's the thing, just like Zacchaeus, many of you, if you're sitting there waiting for a commandment from Jesus, you need Jesus to say something audibly to you, to tell you to do, you don't need a commandment from Jesus. You don't need a commandment from your pastor. You don't need a commandment from your boss. You don't need a commandment. You don't need, you don't need it from any of those people, from your mom or your dad or anybody else. True change happens when you have an experience with Jesus. That's what we want you to have. That's the whole point while we come together, while we come together every week, while we come together during the week. We pray that it's somehow, some way that somebody will meet this Jesus that is alive in 2022. This Jesus that is still speaking to people. This Jesus that is still knocking on hearts. This Jesus who is very real, not, not an idea, not just some verses in a book, but somebody that makes these verses come to life. The living word, Jesus. That's what we hope for you to have an encounter with Jesus. That's where true change comes from. I said it like this. Change doesn't come from what we do for God. We're not in here trying to get all these works together. We're not trying to do all that. It, it, change doesn't come from what you do for God. Change comes from understanding what God has done for us. So here's what you got to get. Zacchaeus is up in that tree. He's despised. He, he's like, I, I'm searching. I'm, I, I'm trying to get there. When Jesus invited him, when Jesus called him out by his name, when he said Zacchaeus, it broke him. That was the beginning of a breaking process right there. That was the beginning of a breaking process. He called him down, and all these people are looking up. What in the world? How dare Je Jesus, you going to hang out with this dude? You going to hang out with the prostitutes? You going to hang out with the tax collectors? You going to hang out with them? You going to come into their life? And Zacchaeus hears this. He knows this. And, and see, the grace that Jesus showed him is what broke him. It was that encounter with the real Savior, an encounter with the Messiah that changed him. See, Jesus wants to commune with you. He wants to eat with you. You got to let him speak to your heart. That's when the repair begins, and after that, the work can start. See, at the beginning of our time together, I asked if any of you have lost something valuable before, and I asked you how it felt when that thing that was lost was found. You need to understand something. There is nothing more valuable to our God than his creation. And the fact that his creation is lost, he has done everything in his ability for us to be found. And he's done that through Jesus. See, Jesus has never been lost. Jesus has never been lost. His people have been lost. And it's very clear in verse 10. In verse 10. And that's the key verse in this whole section. It's actually the key verse that you see throughout this whole section in the scripture right here. Is that Jesus was sent by his father to seek 
and save those who were lost. Hey, don't forget why Zacchaeus is up in the tree in the first place. He was despised. He was short. He was hated by many as a chief tax collector. But I need you to understand today that Jesus can identify even with Zacchaeus. Because although Jesus was blameless, although Jesus was perfect, although Jesus was sinless, he also had to get up in a tree to minister to people. It was a crucifix. He was hanging on a tree. He was despised. He was hated. He was abandoned. And for our sake, he was even abandoned by the Heavenly Father. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to be separated because he became our sin. He became the very thing that was separating us and God. He became that on that tree. He was despised, hanging on a tree. I love the way it's worded in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he repaired us. He became poor so that by his poverty, we might become rich. Jesus gave it to us all. Jesus gave us all. And not only did Jesus repent on our behalf, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He restored us. He gave us something. He, re he repaired us. And there was fruit that came with that repentance on our behalf. That's why it says by his poverty, we became rich. We became rich. See, Jesus came down from heaven with honor and went up in a tree and took on shame and humiliation so that a brother like Zach could be called down from a tree where there was shame and humiliation and be called up to seat, to be seated with us, to be seated with Jesus on a throne. The Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, how are you going to respond today? How are you going to respond today? Somewhere at some point during this time together, I hope you heard him calling your name. I hope you heard him say, Zach, Crystal, Erica, Jennifer, Bob. Did you hear him calling your name? How will you respond to him today? He wants to come into your home. He wants to commune with you. He wants to eat with you. And I promise you, if you invite him in, if you invite him in, he promised not to just visit you, but he said, I would never leave you or forsake you. Would you trust him today? Why don't you pray with me? Jesus, we hear you calling. We hear you calling our name. We're so grateful that you know our address. We're so grateful that there's no place that we can go there. There's, there's no dungeon that we can go into. There's no closet that we can hide in. There, there's, there's no place that we can go where you don't know our address and you're ready to be there with us. So, God, I just pray for those that are here today that continually fall short and continually are having a tough time in this season spiritually. God, I pray, Lord, that they just say yes to your will and to your way. They invite you in, Lord. And for those that, 
that, that, that are not in a relationship with you today. God, I'm so grateful that you said you came to seek them out and to save those that are lost. So God, we, we love you today. We, we hear from you today. We receive you today. Help us to respond and bring the change in our life that we need so badly. God, we bless you. It's in your mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.